And this is Less Tech More Nick with Devontae and Eric. Less Tech More Nick. Mm, y'all hear what I say? Less Tech More Nick for your mother and your brother. We're going to hear from Eric and Devontae. It's strange times and these are strange days And it's strange people living strange ways So expect Let's take Monique Alright, this podcast, this episode I'm just going to be interviewing Eric here And that's going to be our first two podcasts So you can kind of get a sense of who we are So this first one here is going to be me interviewing Eric So you guys get to know him and the next one is going to be Eric interviewing me, so you can understand what I'm about. So Eric, why don't you go ahead and uh, start us off. What was what was your childhood like? Hey, my name's Eric. I'm 33. I was born in 1990 in uh, South Denver. Yeah, so my childhood was uh, confusing as shit. I'm uh, half white, half Asian, and I grew up in Cherry Creek. Uh, and for people who don't know where that is, it's a very affluent part of Denver. Really, it was the South side, but you know, anyone that kind of knows that Southern part of Denver, it's a lot of money. And, um, you know, my mom is from Hong Kong, was raised in California. My dad's from New York. They met in law school in the eighties and they had me and my sister early nineties. Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, I didn't even know who I was. I, uh, I looked around me, it was literally all white people, like a hundred percent white people, my elementary school, all whites. And I looked in the mirror and I was like, I knew I didn't look like my peers. You know, I was like, oh, I wasn't didn't really look exactly like my mom, but I definitely didn't look like my dad and all the other white people around me. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, that ate at me basically all the way into high school, uh, all the way through college, I would say, honestly, who, who am I? Like, I thought I was a freak, honestly. I mean, so whenever you were going to like elementary school, when did you start thinking you were a freak? Like at what point in time can you remember? Mm. Looking in a mirror. I mean, the first as the earliest memories of probably preschool, kindergarten, looking in a mirror and seeing I didn't look like everyone else in the in the school I was in, preschool or, or kindergarten, you know, elementary school. So like four years old, four or five years yeah, old? Four, you five. Were like, I recognized that, yeah, I was different. Wow. I mean, so did people in school actually talk to you though? Or did they, did they treat you as if you were different? Oh yeah. No, people, they, they did, but not to the extent you would, I probably made up in my own mind. I definitely got made fun of. Um, you know, I mean, it was like, oh, whatever Asian jokes, you know, and this was through middle school, beginning of high school, but honestly, not really. My friends didn't bring it up much. I think it was in my own head much more. I mean, my friends always treated me with respect and, you know, I, I, it, it wasn't as bad as you would think on how bad I made it sound. It was me more looking in the mirror, judging myself, honestly. So you were harsher on yourself. Absolutely. Than, yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's probably how most people go actually. I mean, what was a, what was a big moment for you when you were a kid? Like what was a defining moment for you where you, because you openly talk about how you have, or had an addiction to porn. Like, what was a <laughs> what was a moment for you where you were like, "Oh man, I think I have a problem with this." Oh, I mean, that's honestly not till recently. I would say the really? last four years of my life where I thought I had a problem with it. Mm-hmm. Now, if we're going back to my childhood, the first time I found porn was. Um, 
about 10 years old, whenever my parents put a computer in my room for school, this is when, you know, we're transitioning to, you know, more uh, typed papers instead of handwritten. This is, would have been late nineties, early two thousands, uh, internet, you know, very rudimentary. It was, uh, a dial up. So it was very slow, but yeah, I'll never forget that. Uh, I mean, when I found internet porn, which was right around 10 years old for me, it changed everything for me. I mean, I would literally come home from uh, school early so I could watch it before my, my mom got home. I mean, it was phenomenal. And again, this is dial-up. And so, like, no, it was it really was. It was just, again, endless naked women, you know. Again, I was terrified to talk to girls. I thought I was a freak. You know, I thought I was, you know, I didn't belong to any race. I was just a, a nobody. And uh, so I would cope with, I, I, you know, not interacting with people, my peers, and then, going home and, and watching porn. I mean, it's as crazy as that sounds. I am being dead serious. And as crazy as it is to admit, I, and I've been watching it consistently since. So 10, 11 years old till very recently. I don't watch it at all now, actually. But um, yeah. So did that, <laughs> what, did, did you use porn as like an escape? Did you feel, uh, I don't know if the, you did you feel like you were more human when you were doing that? No, that sounds weird, but. Uh, I wouldn't say more human. It was like you just said, an escape. It was like, oh, I didn't fit in at school. I was, yeah, just, uh, you felt different. Yeah. Even though, even though nobody else probably thought of you as different, truly, it it was, (laughs) but you felt different and you used porn as an escape. Absolutely. To feel as if you were worth something. I, it was just an escape. I mean, just I think any, any man that jerks off that's mm-hmm. listening to this podcast right now know that you just watch porn for that dopamine. You want that huge hit and then that oxytocin release on the brain of like, uh, you know, where you're dead, you got to close the browsers down in disgust. Every guy is trying to get that sensation. And the, obviously the more um, potent the porn is, the more kind of dopamine you can build up. You know, gang, that's why gangbang, all it's so extreme now. <laughs> and why if you ask most men, they have multiple tabs open when they're watching. But, you know, regardless, back in the day, again, it was just pictures. It wasn't as advanced as it is today. So I got hooked literally looking at images. I can't even imagine the kids today. I mean, what they're seeing, there's no way that they're not more than addicted to it would be my guess. And then again, no one's talking about it because of the shame. This mm-hmm. is a shameful experience saying it. You know, if, if that's how you feel about something, is that really something you should be doing or at least doing all the time? Eh, probably not. So whenever you were going back to school, did you guys, did you and your friends ever talk about like porn or like masturbating or anything like that? And you're talking about elementary? Yeah. Whenever you were like, oh, oh no. Yeah. Uh, I, it, by middle school, I mean, most of my friends would talk about it. Mm-hmm. I would say. So initially, no, probably uh, fifth grade into sixth grade and then seventh grade, probably not by eighth grade. Oh yeah. You know, everyone had found internet porn at this point in my school, at least. And, um, that, that was a wrap. I mean, we would look at it at our, on our parents' computers or remember we like printed out pictures of it one time, you know, it was, it was crazy. I mean, we found it and there was definitely a big topic of conversation. Not all the time. I mean, again, it was right. so rudimentary back in the day. It was just, it was images. So you, it was the same as video games where you can only, you literally watch i mean look download so many pictures and you get bored you like we want to go outside and we go hunting in my buddy's backyard shooting rabbits with bows and arrows and, and stuff like that uh bass fishing and all that, all that stuff we, we were outside because it, it wasn't potent enough to capture us in mm. 
and even video games, we'd load up an N64 cartridge, we'd play the whole thing in a couple hours, and then we'd have to go outside. I mean, it was over. So, you know, if I look at my childhood, it was literally the greatest amplification any human brain has ever experienced, any primitive human brain. We have literally primitive hired wiring. And we were exposed to a technology changed as our frontal cortexes were developing as children. And, and this is what it's done. I mean, it's created, you know, adult children like me, I would consider myself um, basically immature well into my 30s. And again, you know, I've always been a nice person and I work really hard and all these things. But you know, I've been I've been living like a kid, you know, just literally it's all about dopamine, all about fun, hooking up, watching porn, going, doing extreme sports. So would you say porn is a huge reason of why you are the person you are as far as where you have ended up today? Oh, absolutely. I think anyone that's listening to this that's early 30s, you you got exposed to the same stuff I did. And I know there's a bunch of you out there. Some of you hiding in your parents' basement. Some of you are hiding behind a house like I am by yourself alone because you're not willing to let anyone in. And it's that's a bummer. You know? So how do you think that, because I know you, obviously, how do you think that porn has shaped your life from that moment until you were about 21, 22? Um, well, I got more advanced by the time I was 21, 22. This would have been through college. I mean, I, I had high-speed internet in college. So freshman year of college, that's when XNXX, Pornhub, I believe all those sites came out around that time. Hamster. You know, these very popular streaming sites and that consumed me. I would go to school just enough to get good grades because that was really important to my parents. My parents were paying for my school, so I didn't really have to work that hard. You know, I didn't have to get another job like most kids. So what did I use my time to do? I watched a lot of porn. I played played video games, but it was mostly porn. I would I would watch the porn in my dorm room. It was cool. We had like a three unit. So I had actually my own room I could lock, which in hindsight was horrible. So I'd jerk off and then I'd go to the cafeteria and everything else. I never talked to girls though. Oh my God. I mean, first of all, I looked like a child Mm -hmm. and uh, no confidence at all. I never got approached by girls. I never approached girls. Like they were terrifying to me. I I use porn as an escape, especially when. Did you think women didn't like you too? Yeah, absolutely. Is that part of it? That was goes all the way back to who I was, looking mm-hmm. in the mirror and being like, I am a freak. I'm not even one race or another and I essentially like an alien. No one would ever want to beat me, mm-hmm. be with me. And um, you know, I carried that into college, well, well through college, honestly. And even into my career. It wasn't until I would say my career forced me to have confidence because it's like, all right, personal trainer, you know, no more mom and dad's help, time to figure it out yourself, you know. A great opportunity at the uh, Fort Collins Club, best people I've ever met. But that gave me the confidence, mm-hmm. you know, because all of a sudden I was, you know, 21 and it was like, all right, no more mom and dad on your own. So I got a late start in life already. I get that aspect. Mm-hmm. And, you know, from there I had to get my confidence to build sales. It's like, you want this job? You know, I was really good at it. So I was like, if you want to get sales off this, you got to have a lot of confidence. You got to go up, talk to people, get to know people and all these things. And the more you did that, the more my network built, the more money I made, it allowed me to buy real estate, get into other things It got me into cars. Like it, it was a great networking tool too. But again, if I didn't have that nudge or that push, I never would have the confidence. Now that being said, I still, okay. So it turned into a, a more confident man that was also addicted to porn. So all of a sudden, you know, I was like, holy shit. I'm like, oh, girls kind of like me. I'm kind of attractive, all these things. And then I was like, okay, 
slowly got some sexual partners. I, I didn't lose my virginity till I was 2019. Uh, mm-hmm. um, but I didn't really start getting female attention to early 20s. And then, I, well, not even like 22, 23. And, and right around then, that was 2012, 2013. That's when Tinder came to the US. And I was I learned I could duplicate porn. I was able to take pornography and turn it into real life with Tinder. I got girls to literally meet me from all over, uh, Cheyenne, Denver. I'd all, I'd meet them at bars. We'd hook up in the parking lot. We would, again, I would just be hooking up all over the state. I literally was, I mean, it was crazy. And then on top, I had all my buddies. So then I would go to the bars and hook up at the bars too, you know, but again, it took, uh, either a tremendous amount of alcohol or, uh, an interface, a online interface for me to actually get with women, to meet women. I never talked to girls on a romantic level in person. And it, then it got to a mm-hmm. point where I was in my mid twenties where then I cut it all off. I was like, I can't be faithful. I'll, you know, I, why would a man with a functioning penis ever get married? You know, I, I was like a pig in a fucking mud pit. <laughs> I, again, I was at that point at 25, I'd had my first three way, getting into more kinky stuff. Like I was real, I was able to pull what I saw on the screen, pornography wise, and I plastered it into real life. And trust me, it's as stimulating as those videos make it seem. Changing your middle name to Mister Kink, <laughs> <laughs> but trust me, I mean, uh, as crazy and stimulating it is as it is, it's no different than when you close that porn browser down. Mm-hmm. It's like you you close those tabs as fat as soon as you nut you know you're closing those tabs and it's not like a proud feeling it's not like yeah I really accomplished something I got that fucking nut you're like uh like I'm a fucking disgusting so human. <laughs> when did you start feeling like that because uh, they're obviously I'm assuming at a certain point it was like man wait. this is amazing yeah. like this is great even afterwards you were so like oh this is amazing like I just had a fucking three way mm-hmm. at what point were you like okay it's like closing down the the porn hub it was 30 when i turned 30, 30. okay so up until then you were just like oh this is fucking I crazy I amazing life the right way mm-hmm. i learned how to use the tax system to my benefit i was able to leverage borrowing money on you know basically knew it would spend low interest rates since 2009 after the housing market collapse and just if you invest well and you understand how money works you can make a shit ton while having a lot of fun and, and I did it. And I, I did it all the way into my 30s. And I thought I was living right. I mean, I was traveling all over the world, mountain biking, dirt biking, hiking, camping, you know, doing what I wanted when I wanted Vegas. I mean, again, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. And, um, you know, what woke me up was when I did turn 30, COVID hit, you know, everyone's kind of free for all, lose the job, personal training. You know, I, I was selling cars at the time, but I was able to basically kind of travel that summer and just have fun. And I think I put 110 hours on a dirt bike. And for people that ride out there, they know that is a shit ton on a dirt bike in a season. That's like ride or die. Like this motherfucker's dedicated. I would literally come back to Fort Collins just to like make money and like hook up. I'd like have, you know, different girls that I'd hook up with. Then I'd go back out on the road and, and ride. And then at the very end of the season, I crashed in Moab and it hurt. I mean, I remember I like, fucking rolled down this rock you know and i gotten really good i mean i put 110 hours you know anyone that does something that much they get pretty good at it and i learned i'm like i mean i'm never gonna go pro in this and you know i was laying there in the desert and i was just like i mean i'm 30 years old my body fucking hurt 
like my body actually hurts now, you know? And uh, what's next? I really, I was laying there and I was saying, what in the fuck is, what am I gonna do with my life? I'm only 30. If I died right now, I didn't care. I cared because other people cared about me. I'd, I'd hacked through life. I've learned, hey, we're just literally these meat suits that are meant to be here for fun. So I'm gonna have as much fun as I can. And uh, it only lasts so long. Eventually it catches up to you. And you wake up one day and you're like, fuck, like I, if I live like this, there is going to be no point to living anymore. I'm literally not picking up any weight at all. I'm not trying to better my life in any ways. I just understand how our systems work and I can kind of hack the systems to have a lot of fun, fuck a lot of girls, make a lot of money. Again, live a life of fun, go to the bars, get fucked up. It was great. You know, very I would argue childish, but it was it was a fun time. I know a lot of you guys are doing it out there. Would you say that was just the moment that really brought this to it, your attention and not so much the moment where you really changed? Or do you think there's a moment after that where you actually started changing? Uh, it's been a change in process since. So what I would tell you guys out there going through the same stuff is it doesn't happen overnight. It's fucking hard as shit. Mm. Um, it started with being mindful about how I use dating apps. I would just, I would, I would like, it would be gross to me. I'd shut it down and I would keep, I would, could stay off of it for a few months. You know, I was still going out drinking beers with my buddies. You know, I might hook up once in a while, you know, this is 30, 31. Um, but it was much more limited and I was kind of focused on, okay, there's probably something more to my life. You know, I, I realized, you know, I wanted to own a gym that kind of fell through and I, you know, with how the industry works now, not a huge interest of mine. So, you know, what is that going to be as I kind of coasted, I was still coasting through life, um, using kind of my intelligence to freewheel, you know, it's like have just dopamine chase essentially, you know, so did a lot of cool trips. You know, I really had gotten to just in a mountain bike at that point. Cause my body was just absolutely thrashed, like throwing around a 300 pound bike or 200 something pound bike is, is not easy. So I switched to mountain biking, a little more low impact, low risk, uh, especially on the ascents. So, you know, but I still felt, okay, there's something more. Like I would be camping, I'd be by myself and I'd be like, is this really how I want to live? Just that lone ranger? I think they, you know, call them MGTOW, men going their own way. Uh, it, the answer is no. I mean, I kept coming back to my job. You know, I love working with people. I love helping people. And, um, you know, the problem was, so then I was started cutting things out. And I think by 30, yeah, the end... So yeah, 31, I started limiting my drinking or exposure to my friends that just wanted a party. So I'd be like, okay, I'd cut that back. And then I'd go a few weeks and be like, okay, my life's a lot better. And then 2021, 20, I was doing really well. I did about six weeks stretch. I don't, I didn't think I watched, I watched porn maybe one or two times in six weeks. I had a sip of alcohol and I just felt good about who I was. Probably the best I'd ever felt, you know? Uh, yeah. So I've, Felt really good. So that was about six weeks stretch. Then my friend invited me Labor Day boat party. And I was like, I knew hey, this is the, the hardest lesson I think I've ever learned. I knew I was like, just don't go out there, man. Like, just chill. You don't need to go on the boat. Like, everyone's going to be drinking. It's just like, it's not even a boat that he paid a lot of money for. It's not that night. Like, it's just... I knew in my brain it didn't add up. It was like me and dumb friends doing things cheaply to try and have fun, but not doing it correctly and fucking ourselves up and i knew that inherently before going out there went out there anyways got fucked up had a lot of fun end of the day had been drinking all day this is before i knew my labrum was torn i get on go out there wakeboard didn't 
realized he didn't have a wakeboard tower, was super drunk, pulling off the stern. He literally pulled me forward and I thought I was going up and it pulled me down and it ripped my lat. So my lat is now separated from my tricep. It's, I can do pull-ups again. So this is, and then I had surgery four months later, but it took a long time to rehab and it is very, very weak still. I have to rehab it every day. It's something I have to be mindful of every day. And now again, I'm not blaming him. I'm not blaming the boat. It's just, oh shit, my, my behavior I learned dictated so much of the quality of my life. If I was just drinking and not giving a fuck, I kind of got hurt. If I gave a fuck and I was mindful about what I was doing, my life tended to be better. I was making more money. I was being more conf. I was, I had more confidence in myself. I just, I wasn't getting as sick. Tore my lat. I beat myself up. I was like, I'm a piece of shit. I'm the stupidest motherfucker. When I knew beforehand, I shouldn't have gone out there. I remember I basically got on hinge immediately. Oh yeah. That was another thing during that six week time, right before my accident, I didn't use online dating at all. And I like really stuck with that. I wasn't swiping and I, cut out all the booty calls as soon as i injured myself that all i basically all relapsed down i literally got on hinge right away to find a girlfriend i think it was like a security issue of like okay i just hurt myself i need somebody in my life so i got on hinge started swiping at this point you know 31 decent pretty decent looking guy i look like an adult i don't look like a child anymore like most of my life i've looked like a child <laughs> now i look like a, a decent you know a pretty decent looking adult that gets a lot of attention. You know, we're, we'll go into another episode about um, <laughs> online dating, but uh, and, and kind of how that works. But long story short, I, I got a lot of attention, and I remember it was like an inbox of inflood of girls. I was like, oh shit, I got all these options, and and that that old system started kicking back in of, oh, I I just want to fuck all these girls. You know, I think that was really what my mind was saying. But then I was like, okay, but I no no, I really want a girlfriend. I really want a girlfriend. I'm like, okay. Which one would be a good girlfriend? The problem was I was just looking at images. Mm -hmm. I wasn't looking at them as people. I was mm -hmm. looking at them as a two-dimensional screen. Mm -hmm. And I remember I was just like, oh, well, uh, this girl kind of fell through. That girl was, you know, I met her. It was kind of nice. You know, what, maybe wasn't that cute. I think maybe that was a thing. Wasn't as cute as her pictures. And then, oh, cute girl, you know, young, cute, nice. Cool, you, you're attractive, very attractive. Nice. Yeah, it's like, oh, shit, okay. And, and a nice human, nice enough. Yeah, let's date. I mean, that's what it turned into. It wasn't even anything about her. No, it was as just- As far as internally, it was, just it was all physical. It was, yeah. just, it was physical because that's what the internet created for me. It was 2D pictures of well, girls. Yeah. part of the problem in today's yeah. society, right? I think we've over-sexualized women. I think that's yeah. the big reason for it. Oh, yeah. But yeah. I mean, so, so really what happened to you is a lot of questions came in your mind at 30. Mm -hmm. And so you just- started asking yourself all of these questions and that kind of led you into pushing yourself and answering them for yourself, right? Yes, that is correct. I, I did seek therapy. I mm -hmm. talked to one woman who kind of really was on to something. And, um, I don't remember why I stopped talking to her. Uh, you know, it was at her house, which maybe I thought was kind of weird, uh, very professional, you know, a very professional setting, but I think it was more the atmosphere. I think she was actually really good at her job. It's just weird going to someone's house for business, mm -hmm. I think, a lot of times. And I get a lot of therapists do it to save on overhead. And some people are totally cool with it. I think that just kind of got me. So I ended up seeing another guy at an office, a guy I knew from CSU. And we, uh, yeah, we really hit it off. I think he was very good at keeping me in the present. He's like, hey, you're just in the moment you are now. Like you're, you're suffering. You know, you've hurt yourself and... 
your life isn't all that it could be probably, but you're just in the present, you know, you're not hurting anyone. You're, you're running, you're working every day. You're a nice guy. You're doing well financially. Like life's good. Yeah. You're having a lot of sex. Like, okay. Can you be present with that? And you know, it, 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 it hit me that it's like, okay, I'm just going to be present. I, I didn't think I needed to see him anymore. So I was like, I kept going through life being present at this point. I'd been working out of life. So I'd met you. Mm-hmm. And um, I was like, be present, be present. And I'm sure that you know, if you ask a lot of the staff there, I, I've talked about this since I've worked there for a year and a half. You know, I got back into personal training, something I love, really good at it. And uh, yeah, I mean, I just was kind of trying to figure it out. And I think that's, again, why we started this whole podcast, right? <laughs> just trying to so, figure it out. That's it. So I know for me, there's a moment where I seen it in you where I was like, okay, I think this is the moment where, where he's done doing this like partying stuff and we were talking about it a little bit earlier actually it's the moment where (laughs) we went out and you were with two of our other friends and you guys were already drinking and then you guys called me and convinced me to go out and i went out with you and we went to go where did we go first we went somewhere first uh what's the bar trailhead Mm -hmm. we went to trailhead first which for anybody in fort collins that's the that's the local bar to go to uh and we were there for a little bit had a beer or two and you were already pretty pretty drunk going on your drunken rant that you always go on about relationships and shit Jeez, uh, then nice. then we went to this bar called the coast mm-hmm. and we were sitting there close to the bar but we were on these couches and we were all talking and you were just laying, sitting there and you had your head tilted back and i remember looking at you and you were like we i have got to get food in me i have got to get food in me and you just like were silent and you looked miserable i was like i think this is a moment for him he's, <laughs> he's definitely done then we go and we get food at illegal pete's which was nice and then we started walking to another bar and you're like man i just need to go home and you kept saying that you were like i need to go home i need to stop i need to stop i was like this is definitely a moment and we're walking and as we're walking you like burp and i was like oh this motherfucker finna throw up. <laughs> and sure enough, as we're walking, you are just projectile vomiting as we're walking. <laughs> and I I think that whole sequence sequence was the moment for me that I saw in you where you were like really knowing that you were done. Is that would I be correct in saying that? <laughs> oh yeah. Uh yeah, I mean that was that was the beginning of it, I would say. The real beginning of just like, man, I'm done. I'm done heavy drinking and I might be done drinking altogether. I thought that after that, that weekend. And, um, it kind of evolved from there. It, uh, I remember, uh, I met some friends who just two of my best friends just had kids and we met them at Odell's and I'll never forget. I was just like, no, I'm just not drinking. They're like, what do you mean you're not drinking? I'm like, you know, I'm the party guy. I'm the guy who was always drinking, having fun. And, um, I was like, no, I'm just going to chill. And, uh, you know, basically spent the evening sober while other people drank beers and I was fine. I was like, Oh, I don't really need this in my life. You know, I get it. It's a, a, you know, it makes it very relaxing, but you know, for me, it just, it made me anxious, made me want to hook up. Like, yeah, it gave me a lot of confidence, but it was, it's like pseudo confidence, you know, and I get that's what, you know, why they call it liquid courage. But Mm -hmm. you know, that whiplash effect for me, was too strong. Probably the Asian genetics. I don't think I handle it very well. And I just, I want to like absolutely, just hook up all the time. You know, it's kind of that, 
if you hear people when they wake up with that concrete dick, it's like, that's real. Like, and it's hard when you got the internet at your hands, you'd be like, I order up a girl, like a fucking pizza on Tinder. I can get a girl to come over in a couple hours. I guess that's the, the next step in my process. So then what, five months later, or no, probably it was December. So it would have been, it was right before your birthday, like four months later. It, um, I, uh, I'd been going really well. Basically, we, when did we talk about no, no hub? Was that November? That December? was, no, that was, no, it was December. Yeah. It was December. Yeah. yeah. Or were we just like, Hey, let's just go the whole month of December without yeah. watching porn. Mm-hmm. We tried, yeah. we tried to create a streak and I failed. I remember, I think I watched it like 10 days in and I think I watched it maybe three or four times throughout the month. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the interesting thing was, uh, so I said, stopped watching porn and I'd stopped hooking up. And uh, I think it was, yeah, it was like seven, eight, nine days, something like that in December. And I, I was finishing my floors, you know, I was cleaning. I just, I was trying to do different activities so I wouldn't be thinking about watching porn or or trying to meet some girl on Tinder. And uh, I, don't know, I like kind of trapped myself. I was like kind of pseudo finishing my floors, couldn't walk on them. So I was like stuck in the middle in my office. And uh, I was just bored and I was like, dude, dude, didn't have my computer. And I had to like sit there with my thoughts and I was like, I'm going to download Tinder. Why not? I'd been, you know, I had nutted in nine days probably. Mm-hmm. And uh, I never forget, I'll, I downloaded Tinder, made a profile before my floors were dry. I had met, I had been talking with a girl that was going to come over and have sex with me. So from the time I downloaded it, she came to my house ready for sex within two and a half hours uh 30 early 30s just had went through a divorce looking just to hook up and have fun i mean i literally ordered that up like a fucking dominoes and uh you know i'll never forget so uh she literally comes over within two hours she's at my house 8 8 30 just got off work no bra big tits just super nice human just ready to fuck me didn't even remember her name honestly and i was like what am i doing with my life you know i (laughs) it 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 just hit me and she was standing there and i i sat with what i was feeling it was well what is it like when you look at a new girl and she's ready to uh give you head it's uh well maybe you don't know that look but (laughs) a new girl to have sex with what is how stimulating oh it's it's huge driving force for a man that's there's yeah absolutely insane it's like (laughs) i hate saying it because it sounds so degrading and it's not the way i mean it but it's the way it's the best way to describe it it's like a, a new christmas present like when you're a kid it's exactly what it's like (laughs) and like it sounds awful and i hate saying it but you know taking off their clothes is like ripping off that package it's oh so that sounds so no no no. he's he's right but every being i'm being honest i'm being completely honest and to say no to that to a girl that's ready there's no consequences just got out of a out of a marriage looking to have fun knows it's just a hookup wear a condom like she was ready to give me head right in my living room and I'd take those tits out I'd never seen before there I mean how how good is that there's nothing that good it it's like (laughs) on a roller coaster man that's that adrenaline of excitement it's just ridiculous and to walk away from it Mm -hmm. I sat there with that dopamine for 20 30 minutes and talked to her and I was like I want 
you so bad. Like, I want to fuck you more than anything else on this planet right now. And I'm not going to. And she was like, she was just blown away. She's like, damn, like, that's bummer. Like, I'm really into you. You're super nice. You're super good looking. Like, I fucking want to get smashed out right now. And, uh, no, she did not say that, by the way. But, <laughs> but in a sense, that's what you could feel it off of her. Like, it was, it was a man that, she found attractive you know i got my shit together i'm i'm well spoken i'm nice um just the the essence of me was it's is attractive enough to certain women they're willing to come over and sleep with me on a whim you know to be just so i mean pull yourself out of that amount of kind of buildup is insane any guy will tell you that and you know just being able to to walk away without having sex was one of the it wasn't the hardest thing i've ever done it was the most mindful crazy thing i've ever done and i think any guy would admit this like this was consequence free new tits that i literally said i can't like i i can't do this at this point in my life and this is early december and you know from there it just was less porn to no porn to yeah i mean i even watched porn the longest in my life since i was 10 to this day it's been nine weeks since i've watched porn now so how do you feel from the moment, like from that moment, whenever we really started getting serious about this to now, like, how do you feel? It's like hitting the e-brake on a car and doing a 180. Um, I feel like a different person and not only a different person, but a better version of anyone I've ever been before. I wake up every day feeling good about who I am and what I'm doing. And I, I feel like I care again. I have hope. And I, I do care about my life. Mm. So it's really cool. And that's the whole point of this podcast. Damn straight. Right. I mean, <laughs> I think <laughs> that's where it's the main reason we started this. It's for the exact thing that you just said. Yeah. And if you want to feel like this, you guys, come on. Interview with us. Talk just like this. Talk as raw as shit. And again, this isn't. So I'm sharing my story and I'm going to broadcast it to the world because, yeah, it's shameful as hell. I've been addicted to porn since I was 10 and I don't care. I, again, if this reaches 20 people and it makes their life better because they're like, damn, I like watch too much porn and I probably should either stop or like really limit it because it is probably interfering with my life, then this is a success, honestly, because it. I was on a road to where I wasn't going to be alive anymore. I probably would live just long enough to see my parents die. And then when they were gone, I would have killed myself. And I would, I know there's a lot of you guys out there that feel the same way. Yeah. You're really smart. There's some of you really smart motherfuckers out there that are just having fun mm -hmm. and not giving a shit. Mm -hmm. And trust me, you should give a shit. You, you know, again, I ain't saying go get married, like go have the two kids and the white picket fence. No, but you got to give a shit. You know, I, there's just not a lot of giving a shit right now. So how did you know that like by that time, let's say 10 years from now, that you don't think you would be here? Like what makes you feel that way? I'd have no purpose. So my purpose was to be alive for my parents. So they made this goofy carbon creature essentially that I'm just waddling around fucking and having fun because why not? Um, and, and then, you know, with that mindset, again, I would only live long enough to make sure they knew I didn't kill myself because it would hurt them bad. Their existence would be more peaceful if I didn't do that. Otherwise I'd probably do it sooner. Um, that's fucking real. 
That's real, real. <laughs> that's real, real. I mean, I think that there's tons of people, not just guys. I think there's tons of people out there that feel the exact same way. Tons, men and women, that think about that all the time. You know, so I mean, you're you're definitely not alone. I think uh, any any person who is trying to find their purpose and they're kind of stuck in something and they don't feel like as if they have a purpose, the main reason why they're not doing it is because there's some other factor out there that is that they're living for and they're not living for themselves. And I think we're, we are trying to help people become that and live, live for themselves. And that's kind of what you're, you're getting at now Yeah, is that you're starting to really live for yourself. Yeah. Like right? I, I have hope I care. I, I, it's, this isn't just some meaningless game. It's, it's a game meant, meant to be played mm -hmm. and, uh, you're better off playing the game, whatever that means to you. Again, it doesn't have to be like the old, old school ways. It's you're in this moment now, but you got to play the game like you care. So probably my last question for you is, you know, you talked about this life that you're living and I, I'll tell you, you know, me hearing this as a 20 year old, you know, even a 17 year old when I had no confidence and you're over here like, Oh, I was making money. I was fucking all these girls. <laughs> I would have been like, man, what the fuck is you complaining for? Like yeah. you, you live in the life I want to fucking live. Yeah. Right. And I have assumed there's going to be tons of other guys out there who listen to this, who are going to be saying the exact same thing. What would you say to those people about this life and what it leads to? <laughs> um, you can't escape suffering. So no matter what you end up doing, you could protect yourself in every way, financially, like emotionally, blah, 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 blah. You can try to put up these walls in your life and, um, you know, it, it, you, you can't stop suffering. You know, mine have been injuries emo and, and emotional, um, traumas essentially. Uh, but yours might be different. It depends on the person, but you, you can't escape this little blue marble alive and you can struggle and create meaning in your life or you can struggle and create hell. And I've seen it both. And, you know, to see two of two, of my parents basically struggle and create meaning two people that really love each other that actually like could have made it. They're 40 years strong, moved in three weeks after knowing each other, you know, <laughs> that, their life is a hell of a lot better than if they had gone through it alone or with anyone else. Mm -hmm. They're two imperfect people, but they make it work. Mm -hmm. It's really cool. Yeah. That's a lot that you shared, dude. I ah, appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, man. Oh yeah. You know, this is our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's, uh, that was, that was, that was having me on. Yeah. You know, that means a lot. Yeah. No, I'll be, me, I'll be know? honest with you, man. Uh, um, I appreciate you opening up. I know some things aren't, easy to talk about as a man being vulnerable as a man but uh, so i appreciate you doing that legitimately um i'm proud of you too for going as long as you did you nasty motherfucker i'm proud of you for uh changing changing your ways being a conscious being i think this is going to be really good for people i appreciate you in my life in general man that's Absolutely. why we started this whole thing and that's where anyone that wants to feel better and 
want to wants to create meaning in their life, this is the podcast to come on. And again, so you know, we're not going to be publishing this. You know, I'm I'm bearing this for you guys. Uh, I'm down to share my stories. And anyone else willing to share their stories for other people, awesome. If you want to just come on here and record with us, and again, it'll be all recorded. We will not publish it. We can send it to you to listen. You could choose family and friends that want to hear your story mm-hmm. that you feel need it, and you know that that's what this is about. I, I um. Yeah, everyone has a story, and if you're able to share it in detail and be able to reflect in it and, again, have this, whether you want to share it to all of the listeners or, again, just with family and friends or mm. with, just with yourself, come on up. Seriously. Mm. Yep. Oh, I think that was good. Oh. I think that was good. <laughs>